Hey everybody, this is Sarah. Today on the show, Clint and Chad celebrate their one-year podcasting anniversary by giving away free stuff, talk about the devastating plague of teacher burnout, and overshare in dad chat. Okay, enjoy the episode. Hello everyone, this is Chad in Astoria, Oregon, and I am recovering from the flu. Don't worry, I'm no longer contagious. And this is Clint in Roanoke, Virginia, where I was smart enough (laughs) this year to get the flu shot. Jeez, man, you gotta call me out. Yes, I do. (laughs) And this is School Jet, the podcast where two middle-aged teachers, dads, and hipster doofuses talk across the country about their combined 30-plus years of education experiences. We also talk about our weird kids. My son keeps calling me Johnny, and that's not my name. (laughs) Okay, okay, just real quick, my kids like to say Johnny all the time, too. Uh, (laughs) There's something about that. Something about their generation. Yeah, Misha at one point had a... Imaginary friend that she legit liked to hang out with, whose name was John Tith. So yeah, I don't. I always imagined John okay. Tesh, which was, which is weird. So anyway, uh, beyond that, the goal for us is to make a podcast that teachers and anyone else tell your friends find as fun and interesting as the teachers' lounge during lunch, but without the complaining. We don't complain. I said we don't complain. Yeesh. Okay, calm down, Clint. Did you remember our special day? What? You forgot? I can't believe you forgot. I didn't forget, man. I'm so glad that this is the day that uh, we celebrate President's Day. No! That was two weeks ago, dude. It's our one-year podcasting anniversary. Oh, yeah! It's been a year? Did you get me anything? No, because I knew you'd forget, and I'm punishing you. Oh, all right. That's fine. So what do you want to do to celebrate? I don't know. Maybe dinner, dancing, moonlight walk on the beach. Okay, but what do you want to do for the podcast? Dude, that was my suggestion. Oh, how about this? How about I quiz you on some educational trivia, and if you get enough right, we'll send a Schoolja keychain to one of our listeners. Dude, that sounds good, man. Let's do it. Hey, listeners, if you want to be the winner of the prize, go comment on our Facebook post that says, sign up here to win our anniversary prize. That's where we'll be pulling the name from. So, full disclosure, I have stolen this from someplace called Channel One News, and the quiz is called Fun Facts About the History of Education in America. Hey, is this the Channel One News that used to play in our schools? (laughs) Maybe, I don't know. Number one, when was the first public school founded in the United States? Was it 1592, 1610, 1635, or 1776? Let's go 1635. Correct. Ding, ding, ding. Yes. You got it. John Cotton founded the Boston Latin School in 1635. Which state was the first to require students to attend school? Was it Virginia, Texas, Vermont, or Massachusetts? Massachusetts. Correct. Yes. (laughs) Two for two. I'm crushing it. Question three. It's starting to get a little more tricky. What is a horn book? Is it a book teachers would use to record the names of students who graduated, a common book in early classrooms, or a wooden panel students use to study lessons? Uh, I'm going to do the first one, the graduation log. No. Ah. Incorrect. A horn book is a wooden panel students use to learn lessons like the alphabet. What were many schools throughout the United States once called? Amish schools, one-room schools, Waldorf schools, or one-teacher schools? Ah, man. I'm going to go with Waldorf school. No, it's one-room schools. Dang it. That was my first. I should have gone with my first reaction. (laughs) You're at 50-50, which is a good time for us to have a true-false question. True or false? Okay. Students in the first schools did not have homework. 
True. True. You yeah, they it. had to go work on their farms. Because children were expected to help so much around the house or work when not yes. in school, homework was relatively yes. rare. Another true or false, summer break started so kids living on farms could help with chores. This seems too good to be true, so I'm going to say false. That's true. No, I mean, you're correct. You're right. No, oh. I said that wrong. You're right. Schools closed in the spring and fall, in the cities especially, because of the heat. It was just ah. too darn hot. Right. Okay. Which college was the first to admit both men and women? Harvard, Oberlin, the University of California, or Yale? Man, I'm going to say West Coast was more progressive. I don't even know where Oberlin is. Uh, so I'm going to say Cal. It's Oberlin. Where is that? It's in Ohio. Okay. What percentage of Americans had high school diplomas in 1910? Ooh. Was it 3%, 9%, 12%, or 25%? Man, those are all low. Uh... I'll go 12. It was 9%. Man, that is low. But by 1935, because of changes in the school systems and changes in state laws, that number jumped to 40%. Ooh, wow. Which famous Supreme Court ruling said that separate but equal education is not okay? Was it Plessy versus Ferguson, Tinker versus Des Moines, Brown versus Board of Education, or Santa Fe Independent School District versus Doe? Ah, uh, man, I have learned about all four of these i think so i'm going to say brown versus board of education that is correct okay all right uh in 1954 that was when the court ruled that segregation in schools is unconstitutional right uh, unfortunately many schools remain segregated but due to the way school districts boundaries are right drawn right okay this is the last question okay. this I, is it okay what is a charter school is it a publicly funded school that is exempt from some guidelines public schools must follow, a privately funded school that is exempt from some guidelines public schools must follow, or a type of school that was common in the early colonies. A public school or pu publicly funded. You are correct. Ding, 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 ding. Minnesota was the very first state to allow this model in 1991. You got six out of ten. Not bad. Which in our book, because we're teachers, means you pass. Yeah, that would get me a barely. driver's license for sure. Yeah, so that's going to get somebody out there a fun keychain. That's exciting. Made by Chad. Absolutely. Remember, go to Facebook slash School Japod and comment your name on the anniversary post to get your chance to win. The winner will be contacted through Facebook Messenger, so please note that Vladimir Putin will be <laughs> reading about your big win. And now let's take a well-deserved break. Remember the fear parents used to have that rock music and horror movies were actively turning children into Satan worshippers through the use of subliminal messages? Yeah, that wasn't true. But it got some people at the Minnesota Educational Computing Consortium thinking. Could it work for teaching? Turns out it can. Subscribing to their subliminal education service will completely change the way you teach. It's very simple. You just download their program and input your curriculum, all the facts, skills, and standards you need students to learn for the year, and then let it process overnight. Once the program is done, simply Simply show your students any movie, television, episode, or YouTube video, and your student's subliminal education has begun. There's no need for additional instruction. Everything is well-paced, and students are guaranteed to have a 90% passing rate for all state and national exams. Kids don't care if they're watching SpongeBob or The Big Bang Theory. They don't have to work, and neither do you. So subscribe to Subliminal Education today, and stop worrying about lesson plans, teacher evaluations, or your student's epidemic of bloody noses. That's just the humidity. And welcome back to Schooled Ya. Man, I'm just exhausted these days. 
Yeah, March can really be the worst. Yeah, and it's only just started. <laughs> but I'm also feeling like everything in the world is just too much. Do you ever feel like that? Yeah, sometimes, especially as you know, my career went on. There was a point where I felt like I needed to do something to get out of the rut. Um, and that's why I got into administration for a while. And that's exactly why I moved all the way across the country. But there's actually a term for this feeling, which probably most people already know, burnout. And that's going to be what we're going to talk about today is teacher burnout. And what is it about education that causes uh, teachers to leave the profession generally after just a few years of doing it? To talk about this, instead of just relying on our own information for once, we did a little bit of homework and research. And I'm going to talk about something that I read on a BuzzFeed article, which was not a quiz. And it's called How Millennials Became the Burnout Generation. And it's by a woman named Anne Helen Peterson. And uh, did you know, Chad, that you are, in fact, a millennial? I, th I think I'm right on the cusp, right? Right. Well, you were born in, what, 1980? I, I wish. I'm a 70s child, 79. You were born in 79? Yeah. I thought I was a full year older than you. You act like it. Oh, no, right. You so don't I'm act like very it. Very mature. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm a 79 guy. Okay. Well, we're both 79 guys. So are we not millennials then? We're just on the outside of millennials. But I'm for what this is about, I think we're pretty close. And I'm guessing, I think a lot of our listeners are probably millennials. Probably. And what's funny about millennials is that the way that like the news media talks about them is that they are these you know, young, dumb kids who are not able to handle the responsibilities of adult life. And that's just not true. Most uh, millennials are full-on adults these days, and they are struggling in many ways because of a variety of different um, restraints and problems that we've kind of put on ourselves uh, as a society. So one of the first things that the article talked about is something called errand paralysis, which is kind of the idea that the to-do list is never done. And while this article was not written specifically to teachers, I feel like that is a big part of what wears me out as a teacher is just there are so many things that I've been asked to do. A lot of them are really quite small and seemingly insignificant, but they just keep piling on and on and on, and it doesn't ever feel like anything really gets done. It just keeps building up. Just to piggyback on that thought, and I'll just jump in real quick. The article that I read was a little more specific to teachers, and it was called Why Teachers Are Walking Out by a man named Seth Nichols. My impression is he, he is an elementary school teacher, though that was not overtly clear in the article. But just to piggyback on what you said, there's a great quote from his paper that says, nothing we do is a huge deal, but the sum of the total can become a crushing weight. And I thought that was a great way to put it. You need to turn in these goals and you need to make sure that you're keeping track of data. And, you know, you need to participate in the fundraisers and, you know, all of just the other little things that go on in a school. And it can really just add up and get quite frustrating. And kind of from that, we have, as a generation, internalized the idea that the way to be a good person is to be constantly working. And that constant work can be all kinds of different things, like always trying to keep up with making sure that your room is the most well-decorated for the particular unit that you're studying, uh, putting up bulletin boards and doing those kinds of things. But I know that as a teacher, I tend to bring home a mental amount of work of like always kind of thinking about what am I going to do Next, how am I going to incorporate this thing that I just learned into the lessons that I'm teaching? And it can get kind of overwhelming. There's so much kind of unspoken expectation 
in education. And it's a lot of it self-imposed by, you know, the dedication of teachers. But a lot of those things that you describe are, are not, you know, when you sign up for teacher school or the first job you get, people don't tell you, well, you need to be taking your work home and you need to be paying for things out of your own pocket. Like that's never part of it. But sometimes those kind of unspoken expectations can be the hardest to challenge, the, the hardest to question, because there's kind of a implied expectation or, or almost, as he describes it in the article, an unspoken threat of, quote, but don't you love your kids? If you're in a staff room with a bunch of teachers who are telling you that, you know, I spent all weekend in the room getting it ready. And, uh, you know, I was up till midnight last night correcting papers. And if you are somebody who's kind of looking around going like, I don't know if I want to do that. Unfortunately, like in this culture, that can almost be perceived as you're not dedicated or you're, or you're lazy or whatever that may be. And that's really unfair. Yeah, absolutely. It can be unfair. And I think one of the other things that is relatable to just everyday life. On Instagram, There's there are teachers that kind of try to be teacher influencers that have all of these beautiful displays and cool activities that they're trying to do. And it ends up, we measure ourselves against other teachers and expect that we are going to be able to to do all of the things that, that these other people are doing. Um, another thing that social media will do is it can cause us to act like we, we need to monetize our work. Like we don't get paid super well. There's this thing called teachers pay teachers that I think probably a lot of people know about already. But it's just basically the idea of I'm going to make a bunch of lesson plans and then try to get other people to pay for them so that I can make a little bit of extra money. We did a whole thing on side hustles. And it's really unfortunate, I think, that that was a, something we had to talk about, that we have this, this idea that we have to constantly be doing something extra so that we can even do our jobs and be well taken care of. What's also crazy about specifically, like when you talk about teachers pay teachers, the crazy thing about that is you are literally saying teachers are paying other teachers. And that is in itself a unique thing to education, the amount of personal money teachers are willing to spend on their classroom. Go into a white collar workplace and ask anyone there, would you consider purchasing something that is work related without charging it to the company? And I would say in most places you would be laughed at. Like why in the world would I buy something work related? Why would I go buy a stapler or why would I go buy paper or pencils that I'm using at work and not charge that to my company? And the main principle behind the article that I read was this man talking about it has just become such a norm in his school, but they've just gotten to the point where it's like, we're not even going to ask anymore. He brings up these mini whiteboards and they wanted to buy a pack of 50 mini whiteboards. Well, he brings up the idea of buying them and and five people jump in with, oh, no, you can make them. They're real cheap. They're, I got plans. You can you know, go to Home Depot, whatever, and make them yourself. And no one brought up the idea of actually asking the school to, to buy them for them. I don't want to say, again, it's not an expectation. There's, there's no administrator saying you need to go buy that yourself. But if I want to make my classroom functional and teaching lessons that are rewarding and, and exciting for kids, like that makes my job more fun. But a lot of times that means I'm going to have to spend some of my own money. Again, that's a unique thing to education. Yeah. And I want to push back just a little bit about the idea that our administration doesn't expect us or doesn't tell us that we need to go out and purchase our own materials. Uh, there is an expectation that we are being innovators in the classroom. We're trying new things and we're doing other stuff, but they don't necessarily give us the materials uh, to make those things happen. I see that all the time in technology. We're told to use technology in the classroom, but then the, the technology that we have is so old. Inferior, or, right. Yeah, it's just an inferior product that makes it... It, 
extremely difficult to use it in a way that is effective. So I think that that's a, that's a huge thing that we deal with. Let me share a quote from Seth Nichols here in this article. He talks about the white collar workplace and, and how, you know, you, no one would consider, uh, purchasing anything work-related without charging it. And he says, teachers, they go through a three-step process involving a waterboarding interrogation in front of a one-way mirror to get some spaghetti noodles for a lesson. I think the point he's also trying to make is it became such a hassle that it was just easier. You know, hey, it's only, it's only two bucks for spaghetti noodles. It's no big deal. I'll get them when I'm out grocery shopping. I'm not going to save the receipt and turn it in for two bucks, whatever. But over a year or over multiple years, that adds up, and especially for people who don't make a lot of money. Again, I'm going to share one more quote with you here. Injustice and oppression thrive in places where the norms are never questioned. Unfortunately, a lot of times when you are a new teacher, you don't question. You say, well, this is this looks like how it's done. You find people that you respect, and they seem to be doing it this way. And so it feeds itself, right? This, this kind of tradition feeds itself. And I think it's good to have somebody come in with a fresh set of eyes that also is willing to question it and say, well, why are we here? Like, why are we at this point where we're willing to put in all this extra time and, we're, and we're, we're willing to spend all our extra money and we're willing to emotionally and physically kind of wipe ourselves out, which is resulting in a high percentage of burnout and, and people leaving the profession and, and to say, well, what else, what can we do differently? And I think that's an important thing. One of the big things that has happened that has set up these norms is that we had pretty major financial cuts to the school systems where we as teachers have gotten used to doing more with a lot less. And if you talk to a teacher that taught back in the 80s about, oh, I have to buy my own supplies and whatnot, they would be shocked because those kinds of problems weren't things that they faced. They didn't worry about their retirement. They had a good retirement system, so they didn't have to think about what am I going to do to maximize my financial output so that I can save enough so that I'm not destitute when it comes time to retire. And then on top of that, I think there was a lot less pressure to perform as well. There was perhaps less asked with more resources then, and then now we're talking about less resources with more being asked. And, you know, one of the things that happens a lot when things get cut, a lot of times it's hard to get them back, even when the financial situation has become better, because kind of the perception is like, ah, it seems like we're doing fine, you know, without this program, this many kids in a class or whatever that may be. And sometimes it's hard to say, well, now that we're in a better financial situation, can we get some of that back? There's an episode of The Office where they discover that they have a surplus in their budget. You can see clearly on this page that we have a surplus of $4,300. Mm -hmm. Okay. But we have to spend that by the end of the day or it will be deducted from next year's budget. Why don't you explain this to me like I'm five? Your mommy and daddy give you $10 to open up a lemonade stand. So you go out and you buy cups and you buy lemons and you buy sugar. And now you find out that it only costs you $9. Oh. So you have an extra dollar. Yeah. So you can give that dollar back to mommy and daddy. But guess what? Next summer, I'll be six. And you ask them for money, they're going to give you $9. Because that's what they think it costs to understand. So what you want to do is spend that dollar on something now so that your parents think that it costs $10 to run the lemonade stand. So the dollar's a surplus. This is a surplus. We have to spend that $4,300 by the end of the day or it'll be deducted from next year's budget. And there's this desire for hyper-efficiency that I think is, is a big part of it as well that, oh, well, we can, we can run it faster, we can run it better, we can run it more efficiently. And so there's, there's a lot less incentive for people to fairly compensate what's been going on. This is some heavy stuff. Yeah, we're big whiners today. Yeah, well, you know, I wonder, and I think we've kind of done this in previous episodes. And so 
you can cut this if you want, <laughs> but I wonder if maybe we need a follow up on ways to avoid this, you know, kind of touch on the, the positives and how you can spin this career so that you are finding joy in it and not allowing yourself to, uh, to get burned out. But I feel like, uh, that is a whole new episode. Yeah. I think that would be a, a good follow up. Instead of talking to new teachers, we talk to those who are just about to flame out. I mean, we both dealt with that and we figured out ways to reinvent yeah. our careers. And I think yeah. that would be a good idea. Cool, man. All right. So how are you listeners dealing with your teacher burnout or are you dealing with it at all? Are you seeing something different out there in the world? Yeah, let us know and find some camaraderie on our Facebook page at School Pod or send us an email at schooldepodcast at gmail.com. But now we need to take a break for one of our sponsors. Hey, School you listeners, this is Chad, co-host of the podcast. And if you're like me, especially during this time of year, I bet you're having those crazy teacher dreams. I used to be like that, always having dreams that I come to class and my undies or my teeth were falling out during a formal observation. That was until I got a Clasper mattress. Yeah, they're really cool. I ordered my Clasper online. A few days later, a big box shows up on my doorstep and in just a few minutes, my Clasper is set up and ready for sleep. The folks at Clasper use some pretty crazy subliminal hypnosis or something like that that I don't understand, but it sure works. Since getting my Clasper, I've slept like a baby with no more teacher dreams it's great. So give Clasper a try. Find them online and use our promo code SCHOOLEDYA for a free set of dry erase markers. Check it out. Clasper. Have an A-plus night. And welcome back. Let's end this thing with our final segment. Dad, Dad chat. chat. This is our opportunity to tell you about what is making us keep pushing forward. Chad, take it away. Yeah, man, this week I, I, I was trying to think of like one big thing and I, I don't. So I'm just going to buzz through a bunch of cool things that are going on in my life right now. Griffin, uh, my son, just had a six, uh, six year birthday last week. We went and played laser tag. That was awesome. My little baby, 16 uh, month old Luca, she's she's really walking now. Uh, it's adorable because she uh, just last night she grabbed my hand and then just led me around the house which uh, was absolutely awesome. My lovely wife, Emily, uh, they, they have their first dance team competition last week, and, and so they got that going on. I just had the daddy-daughter dance, and I got to take both my little girls for the first time, so that was super fun. And uh, just staying super, super busy with my woodworking. Almost every day I'm getting another order, so it's kind of giving me a little bit of uh, anxiety because the to-do list keeps getting bigger, <laughs> uh, but that's a good problem to have. And then finally... I am not sick anymore. And I had the flu. It was a good one. And uh, I will get my flu shot next year for sure. But uh, it took a few weeks. So I'm finally feeling back to myself. Man, when you're sick, all you want to do is be well. And when you're well, you kind of forget what it's like to be sick. And uh, I am so appreciative right now of just feeling healthy. I would caution you, try not to get too burnt out on your woodworking or you could ruin all of your raw materials because it will catch on fire. <laughs> That's a horrible horrible dad joke. No, it was a great dad joke and you're just jealous that you didn't think of it. Yeah, I wish I would have. Hey, why don't you share your uh, your dad chat? Okay, so for me, it's been a long season for forensics and I've never been a coach before. Uh, we're in the postseason now. Uh, when this drops, we will have just completed what's called super regionals. It's a little weird here in Virginia. There's, uh, instead of districts and then on to the state tournament, we go a region, which is a fairly large part of the state, and then you go to super regionals, which is two different regions combined together and then you go on to the state tournament and we just had the super regionals but i don't know what happened because of course you know we're recording this a week early but we are the regional champions this year which is pretty exciting all right and we had 
quite a few people move forward and coaching is really hard. Uh, I, I always kind of knew that from watching my friends who coach sports like you and uh, Glenn Frommuller and other people and seeing how much time and effort they put into their programs and into their systems to make sure that everybody was taken care of. But despite the difficulty of it, it has been one of the most rewarding experiences of uh, my teaching career. I've really had a great time and it, I'm starting to get a little bit uh, teary and emotional when I am hanging out with the kids and working with them and trying to help them get better. Just the idea that uh, pretty soon this is all going to be coming to an end, but it's been really, really fun. I'm so proud of all of the kids that have come out and improved themselves and taught me how to do this stuff. They're just amazing, amazing kids, and uh, I feel really lucky that I got to work with them this year. That's exciting. Keep it going, man. All right. Well, that lovely lilting ukulele is telling us that this is the end of the show. Do you have a question? Do you have any advice on how to survive teacher burnout? We have an email address for that. Contact us at schooljapodcast at gmail.com. And you can register to win a prize on our Facebook page at School Japod. Follow me on Twitter at C. Hill Astoria. You can also find me on Instagram at Chatterboxes and check out my new website, chatterboxes.com. And don't forget about our website, schooljapod.com. And remember, all our sponsors are fake, but our artwork is not. Special thank you to Corey Logan for a great cover design. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe. And don't forget to give us a quick rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find us. And if you like the show, please post about us on your social media outlets. It can't hurt. Thanks for listening. We will see you soon. Hey, everybody. Thanks for continuing to listen to the end of the show. Quick update. The Patrick Henry Forensics team won the Super Regional Championships, so they are moving on to the state tournament on March 30th. Hooray!